when the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. Before seagulls, trawlers, and looking for Eric, Cantona was the enfant terrible of French football. Whilst he found redemption, some of his successors did not. This is Le Classique, and this is our final podcast of our series on the fallen prodigies of French football. So hi everyone, I'm Tom and I'm joined as always with Baptiste. How are you doing, Baptiste? I'm good, thanks, Tom. How's the weekend treated you? Good, good, especially now that we're recording this. Just <laughs> so looking forward to discussing those guys. So this is part of our series on the fallen prodigies of French football. So young players who were really hyped up and didn't quite fulfill that for whatever reasons. So we had and two categories beforehand. So Petit Anelka, this were kind of um, players that had maybe come to England very early mm. and didn't quite fulfill their potential and then we also had the Petit Zidane so players compared to the magisterial Zizou and suffered I think because of that comparison so what we've got here is a category called uh, Les Petits Cantona so obviously Eric Cantona a great great player in uh, in England and a great kind of representative of what French football is is all about and I suppose what we're going for here is players who had uh, temper problems <laughs> maybe attitude problems is maybe the the wrong word but a certain kind of arrogance around them that could sometimes grate with uh, teammates with opponents i mean the amazing thing with with Cantona is just the the list of things that he got involved with and i think you because i obviously know him from his time in the uk right and his famous kick in the crystal palace fan in 1995 but you sent me before this just a list <laughs> all the things he'd done before before he came to the UK. Uh, it's quite it's quite the list. Should we go through a couple of them now? Yeah, I think it's just the thing that cracked me up when I did the research is he'd already practiced a Kung Fu kick. I, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, exactly. That's, that's, uh, that's truly, truly wonderful. But yes, he had a bit of a uh, crib sheet in, uh, in France of... Uh, certain activities which didn't go well with his teammates and coaches and from from very early on because actually we need to remember that Cantona joined the joined um, the Premier League obviously when he went to Leeds and he was still only 26 but for the previous for the five years prior to that he had done some things which were just uh, incredible he'd yeah, as we say, Kung Fu to a teammate. Okay, so Michel Dozakarian was a teammate. Of that his. was his teammate. He's now a coach, yeah. <laughs> He's now a coach. This was when? when uh, which was team? It, wait, was it? it? I'm not sure whether he was a teammate or whether it was in a game, but he certainly punched a teammate, which okay. was Bruno Martini, who was actually... Okay, that's the first That's the first one. That's the first one. List. Then it got a two-month suspension a year later for that Kung Fu kick on Michel Dozakarian. Uh, yeah, that doesn't seem like that much. Because um, what did he get for the Palace one? That was a, was that a full year. It was a long time. Huh? He got. Didn't he get a suspended prison sentence? 
Yeah, but he was banned from football yeah, so for, for like six six months. It was a long. Yeah. It was a long time. Um, he insulted Henri Michel on on TV. Yeah. France national coach. Okay, always a good way to, you know, get within your coach's good books. <laughs> this is the one that I know you like. So this was when at noon, nineteen ninety one. Yeah. So he's so his career is not really going well at that stage. So he he was really a highly touted prospect when he started at Auxerre. Then he moved, I think, to uh, Marseille for a lot of money at the time. And you can imagine Eric Cantona in Marseille. Uh, fireworks. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's it's potentially a match made in heaven, but if it doesn't work out, it's really terrible. And so he goes on a few loans and I think he's on, I think he's on loan or he's he's joined Nîmes, which have been back in the Ligue 1, in Ligue 1 for the last few years, but have always been this sort of underperforming, uh, locally loved sides. They're Les Croco. The Croco, yeah. yeah. I like, they've got, I always wish that they got sponsored by Lacoste, you know, that would look <laughs> quite sick. I mean, the, the, the Croco. They had quite a nice shirt, I remember this mm. season. Club also in the south, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And the, he joined He joined Nîmes and in a game, I think in, yeah, November, December 91, he throws the ball at the ref as part, during a disagreement. And I think he gets sent off, but he gets a one-month suspension and he then has to go to the disciplinary committee of the French Federation and legend has it which I don't think it's legend I can totally picture that but legend has it that he turned up at the commission went up to each member of the commission and call, each called them an idiot to their face <laughs> they, and they extended they extended his ban by a third a month and within a week, he'd announced his retirement from football at okay. the age of 25. And thank God, so this is a nice little aside, but thank, mm. obviously, thank God for us as football fans that he didn't, but an important player in that decision to go back on, on, mm. on his retirement was, was Gérard Rouli, obviously an important guy for Le Classique, right, in terms of the relationship between French and English football. Yeah. And he is the one that convinced him that he should get out of France, go to England, because they'll appreciate his hot-headed temper a little bit more yes and i think it shows the esteem he was uh that people had for him so ulia was the french national coach we we talked about how it didn't go right for paul gerard in that role but he was certainly i can't remember i think he was the coach by then yes or he was certainly in the setup and for him to tell Cantona, whose career was going downwards who was playing for nîmes and who just announced his retirement after his latest affray at the age of 25 for Julier to tell him no you need to save your career because I have faith in you and you should go to England because they will appreciate you and you will be back in the fold says something about Cotton has talent right um, yeah but and but and also Julier's insight right because yeah. he couldn't have been more right in terms yes. of um, what that would bring to to Cotton's own career and for, and funnily enough you know, here in the UK, it's Cantona became this marvelous player, right? I think he was voted greatest Man United player of the 20th century yeah. by Man United fans, which says something. But it's funny to think people's view of him in the UK is this mercurial, mysterious, yet incredibly uh, wonderful player, whilst for for French football at the time, it was a sense of, we can't wait to get rid of him. He's just, he is the enfant terrible. He's just causing trouble wherever he's going. And there's a point where you can't just 
let his talent slide and excuse his behavior. He just needs to. He just needs to go. And I think French football was washing his hands off Cantona at the time, and certainly a lot of clubs would have looked at Cantona as the guy who could potentially take your team upwards. But there's so much. There's so much noise. Just not so worth, many. not worth the hassle. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you know, when he went, uh, he was at Leeds first, right, in the UK, and then went to United. And the feeling was at Leeds that maybe also he wasn't quite worth mm. the hassle. I mean, there is also something about obviously being a foreigner in a, in a new country is is difficult, but it but it comes, I think, with certain advantages, right? A certain, yeah. particularly if you're French, and there's that kind of mystique, and maybe you're forgiven for things that you would not be forgiven for if if you weren't, right? So famously. Ferguson would allow him to do, you know, official dues, right? And he'd come in trainers with his suits and everyone would complain. He'd say, leave it, you know, he's French, he's Cantona, whatever. So that, that kind of, I don't know what it, what it is, a kind of distance, I suppose, allowed him to get away with things in a way that wouldn't have been possible mm. in a kind of all French dressing room where people and would be like, you know, who do you think you are? You think uh, you're better than us. Absolutely. But it's also interesting to think as to how he had to face a lot of doubts when he came in, right? So at that time, so it was, goes to Leeds, French international in the prime of his career, theoretically, plays a role in Leeds getting the title. I think it's been overblown as to how big a role he played, but obviously played a role. I think it's start of his second season at Leeds because it's over two seasons, right? That he spends a year at Leeds. The start of his second season is much better. But, you know, he's still facing doubts as to his attitude and his real quality. There's that famous story of, was it Blackburn wanting to sign him at the time and Jack Walker or who, the owner or whoever the coach was, was it Kenny? Well, it might've been Kenny Darglish. So I think it might've been um, Jack Walker saying, no, I've, I don't need Cotona. I've signed, I've signed Tim Sherwood. Or was that for Zidane? I think it was Zidane. <laughs> but, you know, it's, <laughs> I was, cause I was going to say, oh my God, like Blackburn have missed out on all these French yeah. players. So it might've been Zidane. Story. I might okay. be getting, yeah, my stars crossed, but, it's um you know he would have still faced a lot of doubts which was like you said it's yes his attitude his personality can shine through because he is foreign he's different in a good way but i think there was also a lot of he's different not necessarily not necessarily in a good way that he had to face and certainly i would imagine a lot of hard-hitting tacklers in the premier league would have felt i'm gonna show this johnny foreigner what it's like to play on these shores kind of moments you know it, yeah i mean it, it's just amazing to to see the yeah the scale of the issues that got involved with even before he came to the yeah. uk so i suppose petit canton here we're looking at this is not so much a, a point about professionalism right because by all mm. accounts canton was an amazing pro but it's yeah. more about hot-headedness arrogance mm. uh, losing your temper players that maybe have not achieved all that they could have done because of some of these characteristics is that fair I think that's fair. I think it's it's about also talent that didn't go as far as people thought it would because of that temper, because of personality traits more than anything. Because ultimately, the players we're going to look at, they've all had pretty good careers. You all look that they each have more than twenty caps for France, so you can't say they they've been bad players. They've been at big clubs. They've played very good football, and they're you know most of them are still playing so we shouldn't denigrate just how good they've been i think it was just the expectation that people had for those guys and then the disappointment that followed because of that talent which felt unfulfilled 
due to their personality. Okay, so let's let's go th- let's go through the list here. So we have four. So we'll go. Yeah. We'll, we'll sort of go through them. So we've got Jeremy Menez, Atem Ben Arfa, Samir Nasri, and then Yann Mvila. So obviously these are kind of recent-ish mm. players. We'll go through them one by one. But I know that you kind of wanted to talk about them collectively a little bit. At least those first three, like Menez, Ben Arfa, and Samir Nasri. And this is because they were part of a brilliant under 17 Euro mm. Championship team in 2004. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. We go back 17 years, okay, yes. 2004. And I vividly remember reading an article in L'Equipe, also known as the Bible of Sports, about the under 17 European Championships that were taking place and France winning it. And they mentioned in particular two names as the leaders of that side. And those were Atem Ben Arfa and Jeremy Menez. And in that article, they also mentioned other players who played a role, mm-hmm. some which didn't go any anywhere particularly. But two other names which are interesting are Samir Nazri and Karim Benzema, who, little aside, but Karim Benzema, certainly with his French national team um, career, could have, could have fallen within that mm-hmm. category. I mm-hmm. think, obviously, for his unbelievable club career, he doesn't fall there. But... You know, so that under seventeen uh, championship winning sides, the technical leaders were Ben Affa and Menez, and and they were so highly, you know, they were so highly rated that in that article, it was very much sort of expect those guys to grace a league on pitch within the next month or so and to just tear it apart straight in, and I th- and and you know, young French players get, get chances early mm. in Liga. Right, so that that's what we see time and time again, and they 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 join new leagues having played, you know, fifteen games plus, you know, and this is the case both for offensive players, defensive ones. I mean, isn't it interesting that Benzema himself was highly rated? Yes. Right, but the idea that these two guys, Menez Benafa, were the kind of stars of the show of that mm. youth team, just shows you kind of the level they were considered to be at, and the fact that they were kind of considered almost sure bets, right, given their given their talent. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, Benzema was highly rated, but at the time, around 2004-2005, word coming out of the Lyon camp was, c'est Atem. Atem is the magical player. Benzema is really good. He'll be a really good pro, but Ben Arfa has magic in his feet, and he's just going to tear Ligue 1 apart, and he'll, and he'll lead France. He'll, he'll lead Lyon, and he'll lead France. And we need to remember as well is, at the time, Lyon was... A European heavyweight. I'm sure, not, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that just because we follow French football, but constantly, what quarter finalist in the Champions League? They had that magical Essien, Mahamadou Diarra, Juninho midfield. Yeah, Malouda down that left wing. Abidal. Abidal. You know, yeah, they were nice. they were a great side, and they were so dominant in French football. And yet, at the time, there was this sense of there's this 17 year old guy coming through the ranks. Okay. Who's who's going to lead that team? Well, let's. I mean, let's start with him, right? And I wanted to start with him anyway, <laughs> because I think because he's he's fondly. Rem- I mean, his you know his kind of highlights for your compilation is amazing. As you said, mm. to magic in his feet, no one would deny that at all, right? Yeah. He's shown that actually pretty continuously <laughs> in his in his career. A street a, a street footballer. That's how you'd call him here. A baller. Yeah. A baller. Uh, but what's so interesting is that there's there's obviously evidence of his hot-headedness so <laughs> early on. So the uh, French TV has quite um, 
an appetite for sort of behind the scenes documentaries, right? And they did one of, of Clairefontaine, which is kind of the center of excellence for French mm. football. And it's so funny to see these these kids. When so I think Abu Dhabi's there, <laughs> I recognized him. And uh, obviously Atem Ben Arfa is like the star of the yeah. documentary. Cause he's got, he's so like energetic and charismatic, but he's always getting into fights <laughs> with people. <laughs> so it's when he gets to a massive beef with Abu Dhabi, he's about three times his height. And he's like, he's not scared, he's going for it. And he, it's kind of sad because he has this complete self-awareness. Mm. You know, he's always like, ah, you know, like I, uh, I can't control my temper. <laughs> but already like the signs, the signs are there. J'ai un caractère euh, un peu nerveux parce que déjà, eh ben, je sais pas, c'est la nature. Depuis, depuis que je suis petit, des fois, je m'énerve vite fait. Mais maintenant, je me suis un peu calmé, mais des fois, j'ai, par exemple, par exemple, il y en a, des fois, on dit, vous dites des choses à quelqu'un. Il y en a qui le prend bien, mais moi, des fois, il y a des choses, je m'énerve vite. Je sais pas pourquoi, mais c'est la vie, je suis né comme ça. Um, and that would... Yeah, that would affect him, though, quite continuously yes. throughout his, throughout his his career. I mean, any any moments that you that. Well, I think for Atem, the the problem was he w he was the poster boy for that generation, even sure. more than Menez. So even though in you know, Menez and Ben Affa were the ones most mentioned, there was really a sense of, as I said, Ben Affa is going to be the next leader for Lyon and most likely the France squad, and I think. I think they signed him to a long-term contract when he was 16. You know, it was unheard of, especially for a club so successful as Lyon at the time. And unfortunately, I think he'd been wrapped in cotton for so long as you're this dominant guy who's going to step in so naturally into the senior setup that everything's going to go well for you. And I think he and he was evidently talented that he walked in. You know, there's stories of him going to training with senior pros at Lyon. <laughs> and you know being mm. like salut Juni how's it going you know, right just not making yeah, Juni was and... like wait you need to pay some respect first you know there's you know how there's all those little things that young players do when sure sure no, not rites of passage but you know it's look people in the eye be re really respectful and I think you know Ben Affa walked in there and was like I don't see how I'm any less of a player than any of those guys sharing that pitch with me and that and that grated and that was at, you know that was at Lyon early on uh, i think the other problem for for ben Arfa is that he you know he was a mercurial player he didn't really have a set position i remember that being a bit of a problem so was he a winger was he a 10 could he play as a striker he, he was just such a wonderful ball carrier with the ball at his feet he could just slide past two or three players but there was always a sense of where do you fit him in in the team especially in a, in a squad made up of pros, well-established pros that each had their um, qualities and their well-defined role. He was a bit of a luxury, certainly early on, but even as his career went along, it was a sense of, I don't really know where to play him. Sure, because he, he did be, and he played in lots of different mm -hmm. positions at different clubs. I do wonder if maybe he was a victim of the time. So nowadays you like the idea of having... You know, attacking players don't really have set. Okay, some yeah. are proper number nines, but on the whole, you know, a guy like yeah, Fo we've seen Foden play everywhere. This mm. literally everywhere in the yeah. front line, and so he was kind of the thing with which frustrates me with Ben Ben Affleck is constantly in his career. You think, okay, this mm. this is it. Like he's found he's he's found the team for him. He's clicked in a season, and then 
either he's too nomadic, he then moves on, or he doesn't quite confirm it. I mean, so because, for example, from Lyon, he goes to Marseille, mm. and people think, oh, okay, this could be a match yeah. made in heaven. I never know when I think that people are saying that now about Sampoli going there, <laughs> right? And sometimes I, I'm not quite sure if that's what Marseille needs. Ness, well, I can see it both ways, right? But it, it can just explode and implode so quickly. But, and that actually maybe yeah. what you want is for a guy like him mm. is a more stable, less demanding environment. But, but Marseille, the reason why I think a, a lot of people said it was m maybe a match made in heaven, and certainly why I thought that at the time is from the outside looking in, so I'm not Marseille, I'm not a fan of Marseille, never lived there, you know, so or, or I can only say what, how I how I see it from the outside. But Marseille, by all accounts, from what I've been told, only Marseille fans only want two things. They want people who work hard and, you know, will be over sweaty by the end of the game because they've run their socks off. And they want uber talented players who can flick, flick a switch and score a goal or create something out of nothing. And and those don't, you don't necessarily to be a huge runner and a talented player. You can be one or the other. Sure. And, and so in that sense, Ben Affa would have fit. He wasn't a runner. He, was he wasn't <laughs> a runner. You know, he wasn't a hard worker. But as we said, just and that's that's what did him a disservice is that he was capable of so much stuff with the ball at his feet that people would just expect every time he picked up the ball, there was a sense of Ben Affa can do something here. We don't know what it's going to be. It could be a dribble. It could be a pass. It could be a, sh a shot. You know. And and there was, you know, this expectation. And he joined the club at a time when he was still young. You know, he was 21. Eric Gerets was there, a, a manager loved by the Marseille fans, a Bel Belgian manager, who seemed to have a good sense of those types of players who were a bit mercurial and was able to fit them in his side. And obviously it, it didn't end well for, for Gerrits. I mean, he was sacked, you know, much like any manager at Marseille. Um and and yet i think this is one of the this is one of the elements in his career one of the moments in his career where which really as you, as you said it's one of the two moments in his career for me where he missed a, he missed that moment and it's that marseille time with garrett's and then with garrett's successor who was didier deschamps and for me deschamps is the most pragmatic manager in french football and by that, I mean, you don't cross him on something that's a line he will not accept you to cross. And we've seen that with Benzema. Benzema, for the front squad, breach of trust, and then stupid declarations about being left out of the side because Deschamps was pandering to racists and, you know, things like that. Deschamps would never forgive that. But in footballing terms, you know, if it's a case of you're complaining about your playing time, but you train hard, Deschamps not going to hold that against you. He will go, what do I need for my team? I'm not going to damage my relationship with any player that's irretrievable. Uh, and he did that, you know, with Ben Arthur. But there were loads of examples of Ben Arthur and, and Deschamps butting heads. And then a couple of weeks later, Deschamps saying he's playing really well. He's training really well. You know, I know what Atem is like. I, you know, <laughs> I want to make it work. And it just didn't work. And that's that moment, that Marseille moment, and then not working out at Newcastle over the long term. Once that happened, for me, I knew that Ben Arthur was never going to go anywhere after that. Oh, really? But Because his opening um, seasons at Newcastle oh, were... Yeah, great. Some of the moments. I think that's the thing. Like, he's, he's never been really a complete success anywhere he's been, except maybe Nice, 
Unfortunately, he was only there for, yeah. for one season. But every club he's been to, except um, probably Hull <laughs> <Hull> and Valladolid, <laughs> um, he would have provided just ama- amazing moments, amazing goals, like things that really stick in, stick in their memory. And I suppose that's also what kind of football is about, right? Yeah. M- more than contributing to a great team. Like people often say, oh, you know, what football's all about trophies. Clearly it isn't, mm, right? No. Because so many fans support teams that never win anything and yet get sort of pleasure or meaning out yeah. of it, right? Um, it, it, the other hot, I, I remember his hot-headedness at PSG, so that, was a bit of a nightmare. So he went to Nice, was absolutely brilliant, mm. and this kind of just off the striker, almost like yeah, sort of false nine, yeah. or just off the striker. Just he was being so he he went to Nice after um, a loan that didn't go well to at Hull. He was basically washed up in England, right? That was the feeling. Yeah, he went back to France, and Nice under Claude Puel gave him a chance, and. It's so interesting that it worked because Puel is not known as the most flexible of managers. I mean, sure. Over here, he was the Southampton manager. Yeah, right? and, was and, and Leicester. Leicester, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a very, you know, very well-respected manager in France. Similar, I guess, to, to Deschamps, very pragmatic, but maybe a little less flexible than Deschamps. You get the feeling that some players will cross him and that's not necessarily because of something outside of football. Is They will just cross him and you, he's just done with them. And yet, you know, at Nice, he just said to Atem, play in that role. I will put you week in, week out. You will play, work your magic. People will work for you uh, to defend, to track back, etc. And given all that freedom and being a big fish in a little pond, just just worked. He was exceptional that year um, for, for Nice after, you know, he'd spent... So the last three months of the previous season, just not training, you know, because <laughs> yeah. Hull didn't want him, you know. It's just him, weight, over yeah, weight. putting the, weight. Uh, one story about him at Hull, though, apparently, I think I remember, but he was doing an interview with a French journalist, it might have been Julien Laurence or someone like that. And he said, obviously Hull were terrible that season, right? But he said, <laughs> there's this left back called Andy Robertson who's going places. So clearly Atem had a bit of a... a and I, interestingly, for, for a player who's like the polar opposite of himself, right? Yeah. He's kind of hardworking, energetic. So maybe he's got a future in, in scouting or in management yeah. or something. <laughs> it seems unlikely, but maybe. So Pete, and stupidly, he's, because I love Atem, but then he always makes, seems to make bad decisions. And then he, he goes to PSG and that's, that's a disaster. He ends up suing them. Is that right? Yeah. So he ends up at PSG. He's brought to the club by... Uh, by Emery in theory I don't know who decided to bring him to the club I think it might have been Nasser Al- Al-Khalifi the, the yeah, uh, chairman yeah there was there was a lot of talk about because he loved, how, loved how he played yeah that's yeah, true and um, so he's brought to the club and he's brought yeah in that you're going to play f- that false nine role for, for Emery's side now it's weird considering what I've just said about Claude Puel and how it worked but if there's one manager who's really not flexible <laughs> It's Unai Emery, right? Um, and so it just didn't work very, but very, very quickly, which is why that's led me to believe, for no other reason, that's just what I want to believe, that Emery didn't want him to start with. I tried to fit him in at the start as a sign of goodwill to his employer. And then after a few games, just said, he's not good enough. He's not going to, he's not going to play there there seemed to be a major disagreement for some reason, even mm-hmm. though by all accounts, Ben Affa was actually really professional. And 
Emery and the club sent him to, um, I think, to train with the sort of under-17s or under-19s. I don't think they sent him to train with a reserve team. And he, he, well, he didn't sue them, but he said, well, I can't remember where it went. It might have been gone to an administrative tribunal, so he might have sued them. But he basically made an appeal saying, as a professional footballer, you cannot send me down to, you know, an amateur Amateur to play league. with the reserves, and that's yeah. that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's different to the UK, right? Where where France, I suppose, is like Spain, and says that you have reserve teams mm. that that play and yeah, who are obviously limited in how far they can be. Mm. I think they can go up to national. Is that right? Or national two in France? Which in France, uh, yeah. I think it's national two. National two. So it's like the fourth division, yeah. but still, it's like imagine playing your reserves in League Two or something like that. Yeah, and so people kicking your ankles and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> like um. The, uh, the the Chelsea um, reject Dan, Danny Drinkwater, right? You <laughs> see that video of him just kicking what? a kind of. It's like he's playing in a reserve game, and it's like oh God. with his and he's like fighting with a seventh, like seventeen-year-old <laughs> stuff. It's it's terrible. So it, there's also that doesn't he kind of because by the end of it, he's almost sort of trolling PSG, right? Yeah. Just running down his contract. Well, well, to be fair to him, he wins that appeal. He has to be reinstated <laughs> to the. Yeah. First team squad because I think his point was I've been downgraded through no not because of a disciplinary issue of or there's there's been no purpose or no reason given to my demotion therefore I'm still a professional footballer and I should at least train with doesn't matter if you don't want to pick me but I should at least train with the within a professional setup and he wins that and I think there's lots of back and forth where they're trying to find him and he appeals it doesn't work you know by the end of his time I don't he doesn't play a single game through the 2017-2018 season. So he's a fully salaried member of the P- of PSG on a high salary because he'd signed on a free from Nice. So you can imagine his his um, signing, signing on fee as well. But he's just cast away. And throughout that time, by all accounts, he's really professional. He goes to training, trains hard. There's loads of echoes from the players at that time, from other players saying, Atem looks great in training and he behaves oh, perfect, yeah? Yeah. perfectly well. But, uh, yeah. but do you think we've made a mistake by putting him in this in this category? No, because we, we, we've said we've said for continent, the same as continent, right? That's his professionalism true. That's true. has never been put in question. Actually, it's true of Ben Arthur. His professionalism has never been put in question. Uh, he's had bust ups at training with other players. He's had bust ups with managers. But I've you know you've never heard accounts of him turning up two hours late and being fined for that. Particularly, he's never really been seen as a poison right uh in professional professional terms but it ends up being that he doesn't play a single game for psg and he you know i, I recall something like he tweeted a picture of him with a birthday cake with just a lone candle saying it's one year since i played for psg happy birthday to me <laughs> something like that um, but it but it, it's funny because then the, you know the rest of his career is he leaves he leaves psg after two seasons where he's barely played and I think a little bit of the summer passes, right, where no one really is really looking to sign him, even though he's he's what he's thirty one by then, so still quite young. And then Ren take a bit of a punt on him, and he ends up being delivering and being a very solid player for for Ren in a in a lone season. And then well, just when you think he might have found a home, suddenly you'd like to think you're thirty one. You're at a club that actually values you, you where you're playing an important role. 
And where does he go? The Valladolid. That is inexplicable, man. <laughs> I get, listen, I've got I've got a lot of time for Ben Affleck. I've got, a bit, I don't know, a weird kind of sweet spot for him, as you say. I think because he never he never comes across as malicious at all. Mm. You know, maybe I still have that image of him as that little fifteen year old. Oh, I can't control my temper. <laughs> um, and I think it's I think with Ben Affleck, it's also he's there's something a little bit romantic about him. Uh, yeah, sure, so, sure. You know, it's very much sort of. I want to play football the way well, the way I want to play it because I know how I play is the right way. Yeah, yeah. Which might be total BS, and I'm sure if you're his manager, you're going Atem. Sometimes you have to track back because otherwise, the rest of us are having to work doubly hard just to cover up your failings. It's true. It's true, and it's part of I think that kind of dying breed, right? People talked about it with Ozil, you know, the kind of the last of the number tens, and he's also this sense of, as you say, because now offensive players in academies there. They spend half their time being coached how to press from the front to do defensive work, right? I mean, that was never the case for he was for Atem. He w- uh, we talk about him in the past tense, but I think there's there's a reason why. Even though he's at Bordeaux now, he he's doing okay, he's man. Do- yeah, he's doing yeah. okay. But you know, it, this was the next big star of French football. Sure, and yeah. he had some. He didn't. He didn't really ha- have some high, the highest of highs, right? When you look at his career. I don't know that that Newcastle girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> but even, even for the France squad, right? He's he's never, yeah, never a, a building block for France. Um, only fifteen caps. You know, yeah. we it's 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 yeah, the Ben Arthur story saddens us a bit more than anything because yeah. he was just this uber talented guy who sounded fun and was actually, when he was on it, was yeah. so much fun to watch. I, I've got a sweet spot for Ben Affa. I think I don't, don't worry, Hatem, you're, you're <laughs> still in my good book. Should we move on? Yeah. Uh, who do you want to do? I can let you choose. Menez or Nasri? Why don't we go Nasri? Nasri, Samir Nasri, because <laughs> um, a bit different to the others in the sense that um, less nomadic, mm. particularly the start, right? I yeah. mean, three, so Marseille, Arsenal, Man City, three top clubs, um, and he's important in all of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, why is he in this category? Kind of arrogance and, and hot-headedness also? Yeah, I think the end of his career is just so terrible. I think mm. that's also why we had him in mind. But certainly, he, yeah, he formed part of that quartet with Benzema, as we said, of that under-17 high hopes he the thing with Nasri that's that's disappointing is that he he came through the ranks at Marseille which as you said just before is a notoriously difficult place sure, to yeah. to learn your your trade and to and he he handled that pressure really really well and you know if we look now at somebody like Maxime Lopez yeah at at Marseille right he's i don't i think he's on loan to like Sassuolo now but you know there was the same sense of this 18, 19 year old kid is coming through. All the Marseille fans are getting excited. Oh, he's just so exciting to watch, blah, blah, blah. And then they turn on him. Nasri, he spent, you know, four years at Marseille, play, played a lot of games, played well. Was it a good Marseille team? Uh, I think he left. He left it was in Eric Gerrit's first season. They would have maybe been top five, but not, okay, yeah, yeah. not exceptional side. Um, but not not the terrible, not not the, terrib- not the kind of fighting for relegation, Marseille. No, no, but not not the you know not the best. No, not the Didier Drogba smashing them to the. Um, but you know, uh, you know, aside with you know, he played with Franck Ribéry, played with Djibril Cisse, some good players there, and the thing I th- also that I think excited 
Nasri, it wasn't just his elegance on the ball and he was clearly a smart player. It was that he seemed he seemed very likable. He just seemed to enjoy he seemed to have a good head on his shoulders, frankly, at Marseille, which as we said is a tough environment. There were never any bad stories about him coming out in the press. You know, he just seemed to be a really gifted technical player. Uh, who was also quite versatile, wasn't adverse to playing on a wing if we were asking him to, or yeah, central yeah. midfield. So I think it's that generated a lot of expectation at the time in a different way to Ben Arthur, right? Ben Arthur was this amazing young kid is coming through. Watch out, he's just going to burst through the scene and take take everything in his power. Naturally, it was, you could see the progress Sure, yeah. And you see that in his in the clubs he goes for, yeah. right? So from Marseille to it's always a it's always a sensible step up. Yeah. And I because I don't remember any stories of him being a bit like the, uh, beefy or, or hot headed at Arsenal and Man City, right? It it seems it's with the French national yes. team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. I as you said, I think his career choices up to a certain stage, obviously up towards the end of his career. Um and some life choices towards the end of his career by all accounts <laughs> <laughs> but his, his career choices are really really sensible yeah. um, but with the French national side there were already echoes of now echoes of insubordination if we could call it that but let's also think about the source so Euro 2008 uh, Nasri is in the squad right gifted attacking midfielder young in a re- aging side led by none other than Raymond Obinek, right? This is the side where Turam gets picked, even though he barely plays, turns up at Euro and tells Dominic, actually, I can't do two games in five days. You know, it's that kind of dynamic. Vieira's injured, he's still being brought, you know. Sure, yeah. The older senior players are running the team. Yeah, it's all dysfunctional. Um, and for French fans, it was, well, Nasri's coming. He's had a really good season for Marseille. He's about to go to Arsenal. You know, loads of rumours that he's going to go to to the Premier League and obviously Arsenal is is the natural home for a player like Nasri, right? And you know, there's so there's a sense of there's this difficult passage of generation within the French squad. And after the, a terrible tournament, and I think in one game, Nasri actually comes on and is is then subbed off by Dominic. But a debacle at Euros and then obviously stories start coming out about how bad it was also part of will they finally get rid of Dominic mm-hmm. agenda which somehow it didn't happen for some reason that he got sacked after that debacle but the story that kept coming out was Najri's really disrespectful to the senior players to some senior players and there's this famous incident of and that came that's why I say we need to be careful about the source because that came from William Gallas but William Gallas said some young players you come into the the france coach you know the france bus Mm -hmm. and everybody's got their designated seat and there was this little prick who was sitting in my seat (laughs) and when i told him he should get off my seat because that's my seat basically just sort of waved me off it's so petty you know that's why i love it so that was the that was the only story um certainly as he was and, what, and then Likib investigates and finds out that no, and then, you know, it, but then by it, elimination you find yeah, that but then it it paints this, the problem is it paints a sorry potentially untrue picture of someone like Nasri and I, uh-huh. why I say that is because there's also when it's picked up by the press 
So for William Gallas to say it's just pure pettiness within a dressing room, right? There's nothing beyond that, I think. Uh, and it's more about respect your elders winning the team, right? You you always hear stories like that at any club, any, mm-hmm, any side. Mm-hmm. The problem is when it gets picked up by the press, it's more of an angle of look at this youth from the city who doesn't respect people of authority and that right? was gen- and yeah and that, and was, that little racist yeah yeah because that i i remember that being in the just in the discourse about the french team and this is the at the mm. at the time when the public really turn on mm. on their team in a way that i don't think you would ever hear over here people turn have turned on players massively yeah. you know beckham and stuff yeah. but maybe the volatility and emotions towards the side was insane i, I was trying to think of whether it was um you know some of these players, right? That were that were part of that, but that's I think is a simplification, right? It's because mm. the the big thing was South Africa, right? Yes. which was twenty ten. Yes, and so the this is a little bit later, right? That he's part of that. Yeah, so and the, team. the Gallas incident two thousand and eight, but obviously, okay, yeah. After twenty ten, a lot of those youngsters, I can't remember if Nasri is in the squad, but certainly even Benzema at the time, I don't think Ben Arthur was in the squad, but. A lot of the young players uh, are not tainted by 2010. So even even the players who did go to tw- to South Africa, amongst the French public, there's this real sense of the ringleaders being the senior players. Henri, Ribéry, Patrice Evra. You don't need to look very far to know who yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys are. And so a sense of whichever those youngsters were there, they yeah, they co-signed it, but they didn't really play a role. Post-2010, there's this sense of we need to renew the legitimacy of the France squad. And that means professionalism. That means a good attitude, getting back to the basics. Laurent Blanc comes in and he looks at the landscape and he goes, I actually have a lot of really talented young players Mm -hmm. who just need to be given the right steer to take ownership of the France squad. And amongst those players are Nasri and Ben Arfa and Benzema um, and, and Villa, who we'll talk about later. You come to 2012, Euro 2012, where France actually does quite well, plays decent football, gets to knockout stages, knocked out by Spain, eventual winners. No shame in that. What's the story that comes out by L'Equipe and all the newspapers after that is Nasri insulting a L'Equipe journalist. Right. Calling him a fils de pute numerous times and then telling him, I can't remember what he said. He said, uh, now you can tell... It was something, he called him a son of a bitch and then said, now you can tell... I'm badly educated. Now you can say it. Samir Nasri. Il affirme devant nos confrères que la presse, je cite, cherche toujours à écrire de la merde. Un journaliste de l'AFP insiste, se heurte à un nouveau refus, il lance un « alors casse-toi » à l'encontre du milieu de terrain. Une réflexion qui provoque sa colère, le joueur revient alors sur ses pas, insulte copieusement le journaliste de l'AFP et poursuit « comme ça, tu pourras dire que je suis mal élevé ». Right, right. So, so the build-up of that, yeah, the pressure and stuff being written, eventually kind of yeah. getting to him. And and Ben Arfa, you know, supposedly in the dressing room, it's, just not listening to Laurent Blanc. It's quite, it's, yeah. No, it's interesting because Na- I think someone who only knows Nazri from England mm. would be so surprised to see him yeah. being discussed in this kind of context of someone who is difficult, had a temper, maybe he had one or two red yeah. cards, but suddenly he wasn't considered. That no, yeah, that way at yeah. all, and it, maybe there's something about them, you know. I don't know, being in that kind of French public sphere, 
And, you know, I think for Jan Envila is the same, right? So mm. obviously he had a bit of time at, we'll talk about him in a second, but he had a bit of time in Sunderland and, you know, model pro. Yeah. Gets on with it. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, to be fair, I it really turned on Nasri to the point where by 2013, he was just out of the France squad. And altogether, yeah. Altogether, even though he was starting games for Man City and being a really valuable player. And, and he said, I've, I've had enough of it. I think there was a lot... It's the it's the perverse nature of l'équipe and French football journalism is very quick to jump on certain players. Yeah, sure. Um, and passing off judgments in terms of their attitudes, and frankly, that inherent low level racism of it fits a better narrative if it's a second or third generation. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I can tag them as yeah. they come from sensitive neighborhoods and they don't have that same education. And so, you know, looking back when you read about Nasri, you know, who probably had some beef with that journalist for some reason. Who, you know, for Nasri to say you're a son of a bitch, and now you can tell, now you can actually, now that I've said it, you can write that I'm badly educated with reason. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. means there was something to start with, right? Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, that they were Which writing was, that stuff already. Yeah, so. Uh, so for Nasri, it's a weird one. We've got him in that list because it it blew up with France when he was he seemed the he seemed to be the sensible leader to take mm-hmm, on that team, certainly mm-hmm. technically, and it just didn't work out, which is a shame because I asked Marseille, Arsenal, uh, Man City. He was a tremendous player, really yeah, yeah, wonderful to watch. And at Man City, he settled into being, you know a deputy to the to the bigger players right he wasn't making a lot of waves but he'd, he'd unlock, always perform yeah he'd unlock he a situation yeah, yeah, yeah. he play you know he play a seven out of ten every game in the yeah. you know, title season so a it's bit, a bit unfair maybe to have him in this list but then to be fair his the end of his career is just <laughs> yeah. what's going on but i haven't been following it too closely but there's some odd stuff but, but you know, he's got blonde hair i don't know if he has blonde hair now but he definitely did that he I mean that's fine, you know. You can dye your hair blonde. That doesn't yeah, mean no, anything. That's... But it was a doping ban. Um, lots of kind of he's moved around, right? Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of nomadic behaviour, which is quite surprising given how stable the start of his career was. You know, four yeah. years at Marseille, yeah. four years at you know. But uh, do yeah, we know, do I mean, we know he, what's he goes to? He goes to Turkey, mm. barely plays. Goes to West Ham, barely plays. Yeah. Then moved to Anderlecht to play under Company, and apparently, I remember reading quotes by. I don't think it was Company, but it was like the technical director Anderlecht who said no, he's there's the worst transfer we've done in the last. Oh years. really? Because he yeah. came, he came in, had put on some weight. Weight, yeah. Do you think he sort of lost the love of the game a little bit? Like it does happen where people lose their their motivation a bit like yeah maybe yeah i mean that can mm. happen to anyone that's happened yeah. to the majority of players it's it's just a shame that he, out of out of the players we've looked at he's the one who's hit the highest highs yeah sure and yet as we said it still feels unfulfilled for yeah. some reason yeah and even though some of it unlike ben arthur some of it might not necessarily be so much his fault it, yeah and it's interesting just going through i mean every every country think they have the the worst uh, most destructive football media, right? Mm. But it's, I think it's interesting for any kind of major footballing nation, you have this, yeah. you know, build them up and then tear them down. And then, you know, I think about the, the German football media, right? So, oh, Erzil and Gundogan are meeting the Turkish president. Yeah. You know, that kind of, it's interesting how these 
narratives actually kind of play out in a lot of major European yeah. footballing nations. Yeah, bit of a shame. Do you think? Do you think we might see a second, second wind in his career? No, no. It would be nice, <laughs> but it seems unlikely. Let's move on to Jérém, ah. Jérémy, Jérémy Menez. Um, speaking of dyed blonde hair, <laughs> that's my segue. Uh, Jérémy Menez, so also quite a tasty attacking player, good dribbler, good one-on-ones, incredibly promising in his youth. Um, well, yeah, what, what, was, what was, he was sort of accused of arrogance, wasn't he? So I think maybe a bit misunderstood. Yes, he's the he's the French Mesut Ozil in a way, <laughs> in terms of style, right? So, super silky winger, technically really gifted, but just there's this lackadaisical aspect, sure, too. and an effort question <laughs> in his okay. football career. But but as we said previously, you know, Menez tagged with Ben Arthur as the prodigies of that under 17 sides really the ones who were taking you know taking that side further uh forward even though as we said nazri benzema other other really good players in that side and he's the one who starts with a serious role for his club the earliest right so he's 17 comes through the ranks at social social good also are they still producing players what uh, happened because they used to it used to be a guarantee of quality you know if you were coming out of social yeah the last time i heard was the one I heard coming out from social was I think Agum who joined Inter Milan at seventeen. Okay, but I feel it's not it's not no. quite the um, conveyor belt that it used to no, be. No, but at the, at the time, you know, when he breaks through the ranks, social is a really well-established league side. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they play in Europe. I think they won a cup. They have players like Benoit Pedretti, Pierre Alain yes. Sylvain yeah. Monsoro. You know, it's <laughs> funny because I don't know. Like in my mind, I laugh when I hear those names, but they were they were they really, really solid. <laughs> they were really solid. It's like because it's such French Benoit Pedretti, <laughs> Pierre Alain Foucault, You know, it's like but it's funny because we laugh now, and obviously their careers didn't go as well as people hoped at the time. But yeah. you know, Benoit Pedretti had. A, you know about yeah, no, no, no. France, I know, I know. played for Marseille. Great player. You know, Fro played for PSG. Monsoro played for Lyon. Yeah, yeah. Paf, paf. Um, Menez breaks through the ranks at, at Social, and he's given a role very quickly after that under seventeen championships. He's he starts a lot of games, or he's certainly the first one off the bench at seventeen, eighteen, and by the time he's you know eighteen, nineteen, he joins Monaco. So. The career tra- tra- trajectory at the time is, you know, mm. upwards and upwards, and and again, a sensible choice, right? Why not test yourself at a bigger French league club? Yeah, yeah, going yeah, straight yeah, abroad. Yeah. Um, he he then he has he has a yeah he has a funny career. I mean, he he then moves to Roma again, very young. So he has two good seasons at Monaco. Um, I can't remember. If he's, I think he scores in double figures one year, or he's he's yeah, close just, to. But yeah, no, decent. Um, <clears throat> and then joins Serie A and Roma. He's only twenty-one for a decent amount of money, and he actually is a is a regular over the next three seasons. Um, but I think the, the criticism of Menez is always the end product, you know, not a big scorer, not a. Yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, what would you expect from a winger? You'd expect maybe 
between seven and ten goals a season. Yeah. Right now, now it's a bit skewed because of certain players, but certainly that's what you expect from a from a player at Roma. And he, you know, he doesn't really he doesn't really deliver. And by twenty eleven, he's you know tw- still only twenty four. He's one of Qatari PSG's first big signings. They spend a lot of money on him. And they bring quite a lot of players in from Italy. I remember that, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's so Leonardo. And Leonardo, right, of course. But he's the first He's the first batch, right? Yeah, so yeah, ex- yeah. Exactly. It's before Zlatan, Cavani, Thiago Silva, Cavani? and Cavani. Was it just before? Yeah. Okay. He, I think when Carlo Ancelotti joins, you know, he... Kevin Gamero? Maybe. maybe <laughs> good player, Kevin. <laughs> and he's... Um, so he's brought to PSG. Nene? <laughs> he's brought to PSG but he doesn't again he's just yeah yeah I think the frustrating Flatters thing to deceive a little yeah, bit the frustrating thing with Menez is he's just so evidently talented where does this attitude stuff come from though is there any kind of evidence of it or is it just like oh he does you know because let's let's face it you know Zidane didn't do much work off the ball right he wasn't so much a, a hard a hard worker mm. either um because I do, 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 do you think it was just the way he looked? You know, do you think it was a very unfair? Because he had, he looked a bit like Eminem with his beach blonde hair. Yeah, I, I think he just had a particular. You know, that's why I said he was a bit like Ozil. He's yeah, he doesn't yeah. seem exactly. He, he only it, seems yeah. mobile when the ball's close to him, which we know for Ozil was total BS because his his running stats. Exactly, right. exactly. But, but, just, but I remember some. There were some moments at Roma, and I think a bit later. I remember at Roma, he actually had to publicly apologize for a performance because <laughs> okay, okay. it was so lackadaisical. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, he hasn't done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he and I, I think at, at um, and you know I think at Roma he also got into some altercations with his coach. I think it was Montella at the time. So I, and I, so. Yeah. Similar in a way, similar to similar to Nasri, that reputation seemed to come a bit out of out of not not out of nowhere because there were some incidents, but not some drastic, really dramatic incidents. Yeah, and yeah. yet he was he was tagged as this lazy player. He would only, you know, I mean, when we think about it, it's crazy what the original Cantona got away with, right? Because. <laughs> you know, what these guys have done seems like small fry in comparison. Mm. And yet in some ways they've been punished as harshly, um, if not more. I mean, I give I give Minez um, bonus points. I always love players that make slightly left field mm. career choices. Going to Mexico, I think, is the sickest thing. <laughs> like, Gignac is basically a, a god. Andy Delors. Andy Delors? Yeah, he went to Mexico. Oh, amazing. How's he doing? No, no, now he's he's been back in the, in the Liga for okay. a couple of years, but he did go to, I think he went to Tigres. I love it. It's such a romantic, uh, romantic thing to do. You know, we'll go to South America. And he also went, you know, he went down to Paris FC in the second division. I respect that also. You know, if you were once the biggest thing in youth French football and you're still willing to go out there and play, shows a certain love for the game, right? That maybe we're not seeing anymore mm. from um, from someone like Nazri, say. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Menez, I think he was unfairly tagged as um, arrogant and lazy, but it, it's a tag that kept following him. And I think for there was there was always a sense that he was the first one to complain when he wasn't picked, even though he wasn't necessarily putting in the effort, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a vocal, right, a vocal yeah. player in that way. So not necessarily a hothead, but certainly someone who 
maybe should have thought a bit more about opening his mouth a few times. Yeah, and and, and yeah, and 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 evidently flattered to deceive, right? Apart exactly. From, yeah. Apart from a great season at Milan, but that's I yeah. That's what's funny head. going back through this is these random individual yeah. seasons where they're brilliant, right? So Ben Affa has that one at Nice, where mm. he smashes it. And Menez has that one at Milan, yeah. where su- suddenly out of nowhere, there's a goal every two games, kind yeah. of thing. But but he, you know, the common thread throughout all this is the disappointment that goes sure, with these players, sure, as sure, much as the sure. hot-headedness and the personality traits. Sure. And Menez, similar to Ben Arthur, he had the world at his feet at 17. He seemed a surefire hit after starting at Social and doing well at Monaco. And it just didn't really work out. And, you know, same as Nasri, but has about, well, he has about 25 caps. By 2013, even though he's playing for PSG and even though he's 26, his mm-hmm. international career is over. It's a, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's interesting that the, the disappointment is particularly assigned to what could have been in the French national team. Mm. I suppose, you know, they also to a certain extent in, in, in their clubs, except for Samuel Nasri. Mm. But, um, but you know, having said that, at the same time, apparently when he went to Bordeaux for a season, at twenty nine to thirty, just his attitude was really deplorable. disgraceful. Just okay, yeah. wasn't training hard. Okay, yeah, you know, was dropped after a few games and just kept complaining. And you're thinking, mate, you're twenty nine. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, Come on, yeah, grow up a this, little this bit. Was, well, this was and this was the potential opportunity to bounce back, right? And you just didn't take it. That's why you're petit cantonat, Jeremy <laughs> Menez. Should, should we move on to Yann? Yes. Yann M. Villa. Yeah. So, I mean, he he has one <laughs> he has one clear story that's associated <laughs> with him, right? Which is why he he's in this this group here. This is so the boys, yeah, the under twenty one boys are, are, are on international <laughs> tour, and and Yann M. Villa decides that he wants to go party. So him, it's always it's inter- always interesting to me that some of the players got away with this, but well, got away with it in terms of mm. their you know. The opinion that people have of it. Who is it? Yann M. Villa, Antoine Griezmann, I yep. always remember, and Chris, Chris Mavinga. Chris Mavinga. Bai Nyang. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. He totaled two Ferraris without having a driving license. Okay. Yeah, nice. <laughs> By the age of like 22. Nice. And, so, and we sent Ben Yedder. Ben Yedder was in this. Yeah, and, and Griezmann, Griezmann got suspended was, for a year from France. I did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So he did get punished for it. I sometimes I want, you know, it's a bit like, um, I mean, is there, was Yann in Villa the ringleader? It's not even clear. I, I'm, I'm not, was he at the I wheel? think they all made a decision, right? <laughs> but I think what disappointed people at the time is that compared to the other four, and Villa was already, I think, in the senior, senior setup for okay. France. So he was playing for the other okay, 21s yeah, yeah, yeah. because they were trying yeah. to qualify for a, a European Championship. And actually, that's why it was even more of a scandal is because they ended up losing to Norway. So I think they went partying between the, t- the two legs and the second leg was an absolute disaster. Oh, really? Lost yeah. 5-3. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> That's and, a classic kind of Sunday yeah. league so, on a hangover So because game. of his seniority within the under-21 yeah. sides, I think people were really disappointed. Am I uh, crazy to think that he was sort of considered captaincy... Yeah. material maybe he'd captain some of the youth teams and it's it's funny he has such a different um path yeah to, to the other three we've mentioned and villa he's i think he plays in sort of the youth setup for france but 
I don't remember him being on anyone's radar when he burst through the scene. And I, again, I remember reading articles of sort of, yeah, Jan, you know, he's, his progression has always been quite, you know, linear, sure, yeah. but never really set the world alight. Um, and yet he took to, um, it's like a duck to water when he burst onto the scene in Ligue 1. People were like, that, the maturity in his game is mm. amazing. He plays football so simply. He's so tactically astute. Yeah. That, you know, things like the that. Hard, arguably the hardest position in the pitch. It was like a six, right? Yeah. A kind of holding midfielder. Uh, do you think the, the comparisons with Kamavinga, do you think it, it, it's similar or? No, I think Kamavinga is more dynamic. Okay. Um, yeah. Villa, and Villa was a really good pass of the ball, uh, a, a really strong six, which is sort of patrolling, but not really, you know, going forwards. But the idea of kind of maturity. To see, yeah. you know, that was the feeling when he emerged. Like, wow, this guy, you know, he feels like an established player. You know, he's not learning his trade. It's like he's got, he's yeah, got, and, you know, tous les atouts. And as you said, it's in a more difficult position, right? Yeah. So I think you, if a youngster is uber talented in a in an attacking position, you might be more forgiving as to certain aspects, right? So actually, if they try an outrageous pass and it just doesn't go through, people will applaud the fact that exactly, you know, they yeah, have the balls yeah, to do yeah. it. For Envila, it was like now you're uh, you're going to be placed in the heart of your team's game as a number six, as a holding midfielder. You have to really understand how our team plays tactically. To fit. You have to be the connector, mm -hmm. and that's such a difficult role to play for a young player. And you know he was nineteen twenty when he burst onto the scene at, at Rennes, and he just seemed such a natural fit. And on top of that, there was the sense of he wasn't so highly touted. He was very quiet, you know, not a lot of interviews, not a lot of BS coming out of him. You know, by all accounts, it was uh, Jan is, he's very quiet. He's not quiet on the pitch, but he's very quiet in the dressing room. He's very, he's very affable. He's very easy to get on with. He's never caused you trouble. Yeah, sure. And then. <laughs> and then. <laughs> where, so where do they go? Where is this party? Is this in France? Are they going out? From what I remember. Or is yeah, it, it was it a Phil Foden, uh, Mason Greenwood affair where they're on on tour it's always it's, it's quite comforting to me that you know that this will always happen you know generation after generation you'll get these these kind of uh i think i think kind of escapades the, the um the problem for, for them was that it wasn't just a case of we're all i don't know we're all in in paris and we all slipped out and went out was, there was some actual there was some actual logistics to it because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they I it's think they were impulsive at all yeah like I think they were I think they were in Le Havre okay and they took a train to Paris <laughs> and then they went out all night and then they came back in the early hours oh, probably paid it for like this incredibly expensive cab fare I could imagine but they you know they came out sort of came back so bleary eyed <laughs> in team, the early hours team bonding yeah so I think that was, which was a shame because actually, and funny enough, he's he's had such a strange career in Villa because he, as I said, he wasn't on anybody's radar. Plays for Rennes in that difficult role, does really well. Is one of the new generation of players picked by Laurent Blanc to bring back some legitimacy to the France squad. Is the connector on the pitch? Does everything right for the next. Two years during Lamblin's tenure, he's indispensable to that side. He's probably mm -hmm. one of the first names on the, on the team sheet. And yet, after Euro 2012, his form drops a bit for 
Ren. Mm-hmm. And that's when a lot of noise starts to come out of it. He's unhappy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't really clear. And by the end of the, you know, by the Christmas, you know, this winter break, he's just sent to Rubin Kazan and he's 23. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's tough. That's a tough break. I mean, cause his, his manager was Guy Lacombe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Ren, who's a kind of quite iconic French manager, great moustache. Um, quite kind of old school guy, right? Old school values. And he was quite explicit, no, in his towards the end of his his criticism of Envila, yeah, his attitude, his preferred... Yeah, he had some problems. He had some problems with Lacombe, and then I think it seemed to get better with um, Antonetti, who was at Red. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet, and yet he signed in in the win, you know, in January twenty thirteen at twenty three as a French international. <laughs> he signs for Rubin Kazan for twelve million euros. Now that makes on so many levels that makes no sense. And something well, except the on one obvious one, right? Which is the financial. But but why I say it makes no sense is that if you're Rennes, and Rennes is not has never been a club that's in need of money, as much as other clubs in France, right? They're backed by the Pinot family. Mm-hmm. This is your one asset. He's twenty three. You're telling me you can't. This is where I see there's a problem. Twelve million from a t- for a twenty three year old who's just played at the Euros six months ago. And is a starter for a, for a team in Liga, and on, you can only get that from a Russian club. I uh, think I, I think him. that was the surprise in France. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there the sense that oh, form's dipping? He's got a difficult, you know, the relationship with the club's not great. Like, yeah, no, but I, and I'm sh- you know I'm sure there's oh, very valid reasons. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying they're invalid. I just remember my reaction being that's really really surprising. I would have thought he'd go in the summer for maybe more money, for certainly for a better league and for a better club in Russia. I mean, Rubin Kazan, I w- they're probably yeah. six on my list of Russian clubs yeah, that I yeah. would think of. It's so hard going to Russia, isn't it? Because it's, it's, I'm trying to think of players that went there and then progressed, right? Axel Witzel, maybe, I think, who went mm. there and then went to Dortmund. But but then you're, it's like you're unaffordable to to other clubs in yeah. Europe, right? Because your wages are so high. So it's a really difficult decision, I think. Things don't go well for them there. Right, you told me that he smashed his, <laughs> so I think, his I think it goes apartment okay. in protest. I think it goes okay at the start. When but, he's paid. Yeah, but very quickly, I think he I think he has some injuries. But I think also he realizes very quickly that he's in Russia. Why would you stay there? And I wouldn't, yeah. you know, uh, the league is not the best. They don't get paid on time. I'm, I would imagine, want, without wanting to cast aspersions on the Russian people, that he goes to some stadiums where he's... Sure, yeah. He's I mean, the subject of for. some foul language. Um, he goes on loan to, to Inter for half a season. Well, no, actually for a full season in 2014. Barely plays. Mm-hmm. Then goes goes on loan the following season to Sunderland where he plays a lot. Yeah. All, you know, I remember him being quite good. Yeah, and he was, sol- he was solid. Mm. But, but even then, it's funny how the the view that certainly I had of him um, when he joined Sunderland. When he joined, my view was, even though he's 25, by all accounts, he's washed up. Oh, really? He's not great. Yeah. I thought like kind of how the mighty have fallen kind of thing. And then he played, he was very solid for for Sunderland. But, you know, watching him play, there was also, and it's not necessarily his fault if you're surrounded by terribly average players. 
you know it's, it can be sometimes difficult to raise your level but certainly watching him play i didn't i was never blown away as as i'd been when he played for france sure when he played for Rennes. he's the, the kind of player that needs to be surrounded by good players to do yeah. his thing right if you're the connector and you're but you know by the end of that season he's 26 and i'm thinking yeah where's he, where's he going well that's the thing I, you know i suppose players in his position tend to peak a little bit later as you understand the game and that's where the disappointing thing is because when he emerges he's a player that has such that seems to have such maturity at least on the pitch mm. and that's why he's it's quite interesting to have him in this category right because when you think of hotheads you think of you know mercurial attacking talent you don't really think of reasonable kind of water yeah. carriers it's not quite what he was <laughs> i'm trying to think of yeah. other ones like Maybe David Batty, but that's slightly different. That's like hard men, you know? <laughs> Whereas he was really just a clever six. And yet, and yet off the pitch, he could sometimes have his slight yeah. moments of madness. Yeah, the as we said, the under-21 jolly. The under-21 jolly. And by the end of his time, he... And again, we need to be careful as to who the source is and, and how, how that came to be known. But by all accounts, he absolutely trashes his uh, the apartment that Ruben Kazan rents for him. In, as a protest Russia, uh, as, as a protest now i don't know if you're in that position would you maybe that was the way to send a message i don't know but it just, <laughs> yeah. you know who, yeah. who, know, who yeah. knows what you've been backed into a corner right mm. um but certainly it it didn't help you know it didn't help his image and i think his image in france was very much this guy who'd burst onto the scene has just He's gone to Russia for the money. That, yeah. Fair or not, but I think that was the image. He's gone to Russia for the money. He's just stayed there. He's been satisfied with that. Then he's just accepted. It's been terrible whenever he's... He was terrible at Inter. He played for a distinctly average club. And nobody wanted him when he left Sunderland. I think Sunderland wanted him, but he was too expensive. Sure, yeah, yeah. So it, for French fans, it was very much... And now you hear that he. this is how he behaves. You know, when he went to Saint-Étienne for the 2017 se season and then he stayed for a few years you know people were sort of like eh. yeah <laughs> but I suppose he sort of found a bit of a and you know a stable-ish home there and f you know fine he didn't he didn't become the next Makalele the next mm. f you know you know number six that would accumulate 50 100 caps yeah. but but he's had a sort of respect he's now at Olympiakos in Greece yeah. which I think is a you know, still abroad, but it's kind of a more respectable mm. destination. It was weird for me to see him. He played in the Arsenal game last <laughs> Thursday. I was, well, we've been, you know, he's been in our notes. Yeah. Yen Vila. He still looks quite similar with his beard and mm. stuff. So it's, it is it is disappointing. But, but, it, but it's funny for him because he is a completely different category to the previous three. Mm. So, as I said, there was very little noise about Yen Vila. And then over, over a very short period of time, he was anointed the new holding midfielder for France. And if he's capable of doing that at 2021, imagine looks yeah, great, yeah. right? And within three years, he disappeared from, yeah. from people's radar. Yeah. And since then, he's had a serviceable career, as you said, but it, and maybe expectation was simply too high. Maybe he played for France because no, nobody else was really there. Maybe his years at Rennes were going to be his best year of his career. That happens to a lot of players. Mm -hmm. But certainly there were expectations and because he hadn't come with a lot of noise and because he hadn't made a lot of noise for him to screw up with the under-21s to make a weird, weird career decision by going to Russia 
Um, and then the story is about him trashing his apartment. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and then just him being average, effectively, even though he's a professional footballer, so we should keep all that into context. Yeah, yeah. All Puts, of that goes to it's a bit of his reputation has been tarnished. He's been, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I do. You're right. I think maybe that hype early on was was a bit too much. Hmm. He was also really good in video games. I remember. So that's <laughs> that's why. <laughs> just, I love, yeah, I also love a good six. Okay, petit cantona, Ben Arfa. Nazri Menez and Villa. Unfulfilled potential due in part to their hot headedness, potential attitude problems. We've got a final, obviously, this is a kind of category in and of its own. <laughs> so we had, you know, Petit Zidane, Petit Anelka, Petit Cantona. These are guys that we just couldn't, we can understand why it hadn't worked for them. This is undoubtedly players that fit into the broad theme, right? Mm, unfulfilled yeah. potential. Um, but they seem to do all the right things at least early, right? Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, stay in France for a while, move, move up slowly, go to a good club abroad. You know, mm. don't go to Rubin Kazan, all, the, all that kind of stuff. And yet, for some reason, it just doesn't quite work for them. And the, and the two players here are uh, Martin Jetou, and I think to an even bigger extent, Philippe Christian. Yes. Because he's kind of the big one here. Maybe we talk about him first. Yeah. Uh, Christian Val, what can we say about him? He's the heir to Marcel de Yeah. for the France squad. Um, athletic, good on the ball, you know, hard defender, took no prisoners. Just that combination of elegance and, and toughness. Played for, Mon you know, came through the ranks at Monaco by... You know, by the time he was 23, he'd already accumulated quite a lot of games in Liga, had had some French caps, moves to Barcelona, and it feels... It We've talked about some risky career moves, right? But really, at the time, it felt this was exactly the right career moves at the right time. He was 23, as I said, had played a lot of games in Liga and in Europe for Monaco. Yeah. He was part of France set up you know the next step to after Monaco where are you going to go if not to a big club abroad yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah and he went he went to Barcelona actually played quite a lot in his first season by all accounts wasn't you know didn't set the world alight but it, it Barcelona at that time were terrible but no one said you can cast a blade he wasn't a Jonathan Woodgate let's put it that way right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was good solid people expected a bit more but he you know he barely got played in his second season by the time he's 25 he goes back to marseille and again there was this sense of well marseille are getting one hell of a deal i mean yeah he hasn't played yeah because everyone remembers his monaco time he's 25 he's you know you don't lose he just needs to bounce back and a good place is, is marseille though they they really really want him it just doesn't happen. And two years later, he's at Fulham. But, <laughs> well, yeah, so we're Fulham fans yeah. for the note. But I think both uh, both these players, Martin Gietou and Christian Vell, both end up at Fulham. That's kind of, you know, a, a sign that maybe your career didn't quite pan out the way that you wanted it to. Um, Gietou does the same thing. They, In fact, they have quite a lot of similarities, right? He yeah. also starts at Monaco, no? Or he, he plays play, at Monaco. He starts at, he starts at Strasbourg. 
Then Monaco. Then Monaco. So he's at Monaco with Cristóbal. Okay, yeah. And he plays at... Cristóbal was a centre-back. Jetu could play as a centre-back or holding midfielder. But again, just ever-present for Monaco in France and Europe. I can't remember if they win a... Did they win a title? Maybe not. Um, then he moves to the great Palmer, Palmer side, which isn't the great Palmer side anymore, but still has a lot of talent. It doesn't work out. Um, barely plays there. And... <laughs> same as Cristóbal Fulham really seems to be his last <laughs> stop I mean I know he plays plays a few games for a few clubs after that but I, it was just so sh- maybe it's because we had front row seats but it was just so shocking to see them both because when when Fulham signed them I remember thinking and Jitu was older when he got signed so you could tell it was maybe towards the end of his career although he was like 28 yeah 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 28, 29 but I remember when they signed him, I thought on a free, you know, cheap, maybe looking to bounce back. Those guys managed to get five or six caps for France at a time when it was super competitive. Mm-hmm. And they were really good at, at Monaco, you know, only a couple of years ago. Maybe maybe this is a sneaky good signing. And, I, and actually, Christophe had played holding midfield a few times for Fulham as well. And they were just so... Just, it would not even just Under, like so average. Underwhelming. Just, yeah. I, but I feel Christophe didn't even play that much. Or maybe just because he was so anonymous in those performances. Because there's a weird thing with Christophe where he just seems to kind of, he stops playing games, right? So he'll go to different yeah. clubs, but he's barely getting game time for them. I mean, I, I remember how hyped he was. Yeah. He was on the cover yeah. of like French football magazines. And, he, you know, he was the next kind of mm. French center half. You know, with slightly longer hair. It is, um, and it's funny those two guys, as as we said, which is why they're really just sort of unexplainable. Because they seem to do all, all the right things, and yes. at least in terms of kind of career choice. And and it's also the downfall from there is so Stark. so sudden. Yeah, it's once Jetu's at at Palmer, and he doesn't play. It's I know he plays a decent amount for Fulham, but it's game over. Yeah. But it's even starker for Cristóbal. Sure. It's after Barcelona. After Barcelona, born. his career is dead and he's yeah. 25. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Unfulfilled potential, yeah. but without clear causal factors. <laughs> we don't know. We haven't cracked, <laughs> cracked it. <laughs> okay. Fight, so, so this kind of wraps up our series, doesn't it? So we've looked at Petit Anelka, players that went to England too young. Petit Zidane, unfair comparisons with the great ZZ. Petit Cantona we've gone through today. What about final thing? So future. Mm. You can play this in any way you want, right? We're not saying these players aren't going to make it, but you know, who, who's, who's, who's currently being hyped up and mm. who do you think might not quite end up being, being all that? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's, there's three names I'm thinking of as being really hyped up. Yeah. Um, two of them will be unsurprising to uh, casual football fans. Uh, one might be a little less famous. So the two well, most well-known, Eduardo Camavinga. Sure, yeah. Fren, although he's having a bit of a, he's having a difficult second season. Interesting, interesting. But but the the quality is there. there. Yeah, the quality is there. Uh, Dayo Upamecano, who's just announced he's joining Bayern. Bayern, yeah. By all accounts, he hasn't been great this year either. But but his head is yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, and you know, delivered in the Champions League last year and has played a lot of games for Leipzig 
already in the Bundesliga. Sure, yeah, yeah. So they're two two of the big names at the moment in France. The th- the third one is Ryan Cherki mm-hmm. of Lyon, mm-hmm. and it's difficult not to think of him as the new Ben Arfa <laughs> in a way, and I and I mean that because of he's left footed, silky, amazing sim- dribbler, yeah, yeah, similarly positionless. Okay, yeah, um, and 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 uh, you know a prodigy, you know, fifteen training with his senior su- side. You know, played some games last year. Played already this get few games this season, and already there's a lot of there's a lot of hype around him, and a lot of deflated hype a bit around him. So, so much hype, yeah. It's it's a bit like oh, Shaki hasn't really scored yet. Hasn't you know, just the expectation is so high. Yeah, has to be unreasonable. I feel really that other Lyon youngsters are actually getting more game time than him, which is quite yeah. which is quite odd because he's the hyped guy, right? Yeah. So you've got Maxence Cacré who. who Kind of a bit like an MV. I just came out of nowhere to play some blinders in the Champions uh, League. Always, always a sneaky good football manager. Maxence Cacré could get on loan anywhere. But yes, you know, Cacré, just a really dynamic, I guess, number eight. Yeah. Um, but burst onto the scene last year uh, when... In the Juventus game in particular. Yeah, he just bossed. I remember watching that game. He absolutely bossed it. He was everywhere. Uh, he's had a bit less trusted this season by Garcia. He's facing a difficult right. battle. You know, he has Paqueta, Thiago Mendes, um, all the play- uh, Awar, you know, in midfield. It's a, mm-hmm, big, it's mm-hmm. a bit packed, but he's he's an under-21 international. I, From what I've seen of him, I really like the look of him. Just, as you said, a bit like Envila, just smart. Yeah, so, yeah. Doesn't play complicated, but is, and is, is in he's super fit because he's quite small but just his running stats are, he's just everywhere uh so he's one i would look out i would look out for i mean there's a few other names as well that you had in mind but well, i mean the, the very obvious hot-headed the, the Matteo Genduzzi, right <laughs> i mean we've seen that so much maybe because we're here in the uk you know yeah. so we see him getting into fights and i yeah it's quite interesting he's very He's such a demonstrative on the pitch, right? Mm. He seems much more like a kind of old school English midfielder rather than the kind of guys that tend to come out of French academies. Also, he, his hair, right? So yeah. famously, it makes him so visible. Um, he, I mean, he could easily end up as a kind of future continent. Well, in the, in the sense that we've yeah. got here, a hothead, not one of the greatest players of all time. <laughs> it, it's funny because, as you said, for me, Genduzi, he is his style of play is exactly the style that annoys me in a way okay so yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not really i'm not describing it well but you know when there are some players you just look active yeah sure, sure but don't sure. really bring any added value but and yet you know commentators and fans will go oh, love that it guy's yeah. worked an absolute shift he's everywhere and you're like he's misplaced every pass he's trying sure he's out of position all <laughs> he's the out time of position everywhere and genduzi which to be fair he's also very young so that also explains it but genduzi is very much that all action busting star where actually you look at the end of the game and you're like, he's had no impact. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's certainly a candidate for, for, for one category <laughs> yeah. at some point. Well, I couldn't believe that he was, um, he, was he was captain of the French youth team or vice captain. I yeah, suppose I he seems ca- kind of, he's, he's captain a captain, really, France, yeah. yeah. Seems why because he, yeah. He seems kind of a wild, like he's the opposite of a kind of Didier Deschamps type, <laughs> you know? Seems like completely wild, both in the way that he plays and, mm. And uh, and and even in the kind of 
the Arsenal social group. Yeah. Yeah, anyone else? Benoit Badiachil, quite like him, centre-half for yeah, Monaco. Like, Great like, name, alliteration as well, <laughs> Badiachil, I like that. Uh, one player, there's two players I do like. I don't know what, how they're going to end up, but they're, they're doing well, and again, this season, so worth mentioning them. Uh, Boubacar Camara at Marseille started as very easygoing, ball-playing centre-back at Marseille. A lot of criticism of him was he was taking a lot of risks. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the classic... This is classic complaints about young, confident players is he takes a lot of risks and he's not he's not tough. So if you're able to play as a centre back in Liga at seven, seventeen, eighteen for Marseille, I think that's sure, think yeah, fine. yeah. Um, but you know, potential Christophe Valle, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let, I mean, let's hope not, right? Let's no, hope no. that all these players and start for France yes. in five years when you and he's, lose the World Cup final to, and he's to play, England. He's been played in as a holding midfielder this year, and he's mm-hmm. been, he's been excellent. He's okay. really been Great. excellent. And then the last one is just because he's been one of my football manager gems over the last two years. and But he's an ex-Lyon youth team player doing really well at Nice this year. I mean, Guiri. Uh, yes. Can play up top or on the sort of, you know, left-hand side sort of winger come striker. And he's been one of the only bright sparks in Nice's season. Um, joined, joined from Lyon where he was, wasn't, really given his chance on loan or no permanent, permanent. Yeah. and he's been walked into the starting 11 from day one he's been ever present i think he's i think he's scored in double figures already it's it's difficult isn't it that decision for for young players who are top teams like do you do Jaden mm. sancho and and leave i mean these, these are kind of best case scenarios you yeah know? or do you do a Foden and you bode your time and eventually you know mm. it's difficult right because because here you've got Aminguiri who's done a Sancho and said, okay, I'm not getting game time, I'm going. Mm. He's playing more than Cherki. Yeah, he's a bit and older. He's a bit older, yeah. I suppose. But um, I don't think it's necessarily a right decision, but it, you know, it's an important one for these young players. and It's tough to know. Tough, you know? Yeah, it's it's tough. It just it also... <clears throat> so you need to be well-advised, get a yeah. good agent. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Bapo, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Uh, absolute blast it's been fun yeah going through all these old <laughs> French players I, some of the names man it was good it was good Jeremy Menez who did we look at earlier Les Petits Zidane Marvin Martin yeah couldn't remember that guy at all Mourad Meigny Mourad Meigny <laughs> yes um, this has been Le Classique and this has been an episode on the unfulfilled potential of French football <laughs> <laughs>